Hey, I'm Michael Wood, lead pastor at First West. Thank you so much for joining us today. Here in just a second, we're gonna dive into God's word and to see what it says about who he is, about who we are, and about the hope that can be found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray that today God's word will encourage you, it'll challenge you, and it'll allow you to see that no matter where we find ourselves, there's always hope because of Jesus Christ. So let's dig in and see what God has for us today in his word. I hope you're having a great summer. Uh, <clears throat> hope you are, are getting some opportunities to be with family or to get to do some of your hobbies, whatever it is you enjoy. Um, listen, there's one thing. Uh, last couple of weeks, uh, or I guess a couple of weeks ago, our family had the opportunity to go to Dallas for a little kind of couple day getaway. And uh, of course, on the way to Dallas, we had to stop at. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> it's amazing. That place hasn't even been there that long. Right? I mean, you just, if you're going to Dallas, you got to stop at Bucky's, right? You just do. And the whole way over there, I'm like, I'm not going to do it. 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 And then this little four year old girl that's right in the back seat goes, Dad, can we stop at Bucky's? And it's like, we're going to Bucky's, boys, you know? But I got to tell you, I am amazed by the people that came up with Bucky's. I mean, can you imagine them going in to sit with some investors and say, hey guys, I'm gonna need some money here for this idea I have for a gas station. A gas station? There's plenty of gas, I know, but this is gonna be a gas station. Well, what's your idea? How's this gonna be unique? It's gonna be big. Yeah, but like, what's your idea here for the gas station? It's gonna be real big. No, but you need something that will differentiate it to make people want to come get gas at your place, not the other. It's going to be really big. Yeah, well, we need something more than that. Okay, we'll have a mascot, right? Like, what in the world? What kind of mascot? A beaver. <laughs> what in the world, right? And some of you in here, you love stopping at Bucky's, don't you? And you love it. Why? Because you love being around thousands of people waiting in long lines to get mediocre candy, right? My kids have asked me before, before we'd gone, but what's Bucky's like? I said, well, half of it's candy, and then the other half is junk that your grandmother will purchase. <laughs> Am I right? Sorry if I just offended the grandmothers in the room, but... But some of you, you love to stop, and you love to stop, not because it's Bucky's, because you're one of those people, you want to enjoy the journey of the trip, Right? You want to stop along the way as much as you can and take into the moments. For some of you, you will pull over to stop when that empty light comes on, and you will look like a NASCAR driver pulling into a pit stop, filled up as quick as you can. Kids say you need to go to the bathroom. Tough luck. There's a Gatorade bottle in the back. Let's go, right? You're with me, right? Who, who, that's, that's you on a road trip. Yep, some of you are volunteering the person next to you. I love it. Right? So some of us, we love to stop. Some of us, we don't want to stop at all. We just want to keep going. Well, today, we're getting back on the road. And we're getting back on the road of the book of 1 Corinthians. All right? So if you have your Bible, I want to invite you to open to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. is where we're going to be today. And we have had a three-month stop. As we've looked at a series called Difference Makers, we talked about how God has wired us to make a difference in this world. And then, as you know, last week we wrapped up uh, season two of Summer in the Miners. And so we have worked through the Minor Prophets. And today, today the pit stop is over. 
And we're about to make a run on this interstate known as 1 Corinthians. It's going to take us all the way to Thanksgiving. That's right, I said Thanksgiving. And then we're going to take another pit stop for the holidays. And then we will wrap up 1 Corinthians at the beginning of 2023. And so we're going to continue this journey. And here's what I'm excited about. And as we take this long walk through this book, I think what we have seen is that time and time again, God has been faithful, his word has been powerful, and we have seen how it has an impact on our lives, how it grows our affection for Jesus, it gives a better knowledge of who we're called to be as followers of Jesus Christ, and I don't expect that to stop. As we've gone through the book of 1 Corinthians, just to remind you a little bit of where we've been on this journey I want you to remember that the Apostle Paul had spent time in this city of Corinth for about a year and a half to two years on his second missionary journey. In fact, we read about it in Acts chapter 18. And while he was with these people, he was in the synagogue, he was with them, he was teaching and he was preaching. He was doing life with these people. So much in that when he writes this letter to them, we see the affection that Paul has for them. We see in chapter 4, he refers to to himself as as their spiritual father, as their father in Jesus Christ. And oftentimes he's referring to them as beloved children. So we know Paul knows these people. He, He passionately loves these people. And it is because of that and with the relationship that he has with them and the authority that he has as an apostle, he is going to write and correspond with them. And here's what I want you to remember as we dive back into this book. Paul's going to say some very hard things. Paul's going to say some uncomfortable things. But I want you to remember that Paul is writing to the church of Jesus Christ. He's writing to believers here. It helps us to see that it doesn't matter what, even if you label our gathering a church, it doesn't mean that the church can't be full of dysfunctional people in dysfunctional situations. And that's the case in Corinth, that there is a lot of dysfunction that is happening for sure in their community and culture. But it's also happening within their church and even within their leaders. And so if you remember, we've made our way up to chapter 6. And as you read the letter, you can see that that section from chapter 1 to chapter 6 is really a, a, a section in and of itself. You may remember that at the very beginning in chapter 1, Paul had said that that he was writing to them in response to what he had heard from this lady named Chloe and her people, her associates, her friends, whoever that is. That Paul had spent time with this lady Chloe, and she had shared some things that were going on in the church. And so Paul is going to respond to them. Just to help you remember, as we think about this idea of getting back on the interstate of 1 Corinthians, I want to remind you of some mile markers that we hit along the way. Just several things we hit along the way. See, these are some of the main ideas of the sermons. Uh, the very first message we preached out of 1 Corinthians in chapter 1 was a reminder that God graciously provides all that we need. He's going to say to the believers there in Corinth and remind them that we are enriched in him that he strengthens us to finish well, and he calls us into fellowship with him. It's a great encouragement as he's about to say some really hard things to them as a reminder that, hey, listen, this isn't just an issue of you picking your boots up by your bootstraps and doing harder, but be reminded that you have a God who enriches you, who strengthens you. You're not in this journey on your own. We talked about that in God's wisdom, Christ is the power of God for salvation. 
You may remember in this book, we've talked a lot about wisdom, man's wisdom versus God's wisdom. Remember he said that the cross is, it's folly, it is foolishness to those who are perishing. But as we look at 1 Corinthians, Paul is laying out for them that Christ is the power of God for salvation. We talked about a spiritual person should live a life devoted to spiritual growth in Christ. You may remember he talked a lot about the spiritual man and the natural man. Do you remember that? And and in fact, he goes so far as to criticize those in Corinth to rebuke them by saying, listen, you, you may think of yourself as a spiritual person. You may even call yourself a spiritual person. He said, but the way that you're living your life looks more like the natural man than the spiritual man. So it's a reminder for us that a spiritual person should live a life devoted to growth in Christ. Uh, Another marker here, kind of last one, is a reminder that godly accountability in the church promotes godly living throughout the church. As Paul's dealing with all these different issues that are happening in Corinth, some of the issues, he's saying, you're just letting these things go. You're letting these things that don't align with God's word, that don't align with God's standard for holiness, for what it means to be a follower of Christ. And in your pride, you're just ignoring it. You're not dealing with it. And so he's showing us that part of the responsibility and honestly, one of the gifts of the body of Christ is that we love one another enough that in humility, We offer accountability that says, hey, I see this in your life, and I don't think it aligns with who you want to be as a Jesus follower. And so let's talk about that, and let's pray about that, and and let me know uh, as a brother in Christ that I can come alongside you. But godly accountability in the church, it promotes godly living throughout the church. So this brings us to where we're getting back on today in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. I want you to see just kind of the natural break that I'm talking about here. It isn't going to be on the screens because I'm going to read one verse. And you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. But I want you to listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 1. He says, Now, in response to the matters you wrote about, it is good for a man not to use a woman for sex. Hello. Welcome back to 1 Corinthians, huh? Some of you, you weren't real excited about 1 Corinthians, but you are now. You're thinking, I can't wait to see how Michael's going to handle this, right? But what I want you to focus on this morning as we dive back in here is the first part of that verse. Notice what he says here. Now, in response to the matters you wrote about. So we see that there is a shift for Paul in this letter as he's writing to them. Remember, chapters 1 through 6, he's addressing these issues that he's heard from Chloe, whatever those issues are. But now we see that he's going to refer to something that they have written to Paul about. And I would not just say something, I would say many things. And so as we begin this journey to pick it back up, we're going to see that over and over again, Paul is going to address issues that in the church of Corinth, they're asking Paul, they're leaning on Paul and saying, Paul, we need your help. How do we handle this issue? How do we handle this issue? How do we handle this issue? The challenge for us and part of the work that we're going to have to do as we go through this is that we don't know what those questions are. We have to figure out from the context of what Paul is writing to understand what their questions were. But as we do, what we're going to find, just like we do every week, that in ancient letters inspired by the Holy Spirit, they absolutely impact our lives today. And so we're going to begin this journey in chapter 7. And and what we're going to find in this next series in chapter 7 is that Paul 
is going to deal with the difficulties that they were having regarding their relationships with one another. Now, it's not going to be all about specifically relationships with one another, but it is going to do with relationships. And so for this next run through chapter 7, we're calling this series Real Life Relationships. Real Life Relationships. And today, I, I want to remind us, before we jump into chapter 7, because I'm telling you, it's going to be heavy. Next week, we're going to be talking about physical intimacy in a very open and honest and raw conversation. In fact, because we know the content of what next week's going to be, and listen, we're going to handle that in a respectful way, but it is going to be an honest conversation, as you've already seen from the very first verse, is that next week we're going to, have, we're going to provide child care for fifth grade and under during the, the, during the 1030 hours. So if you have a fifth grader or down and you would prefer them to be in child care, not to hear the conversation, that's your decision as a parent, as a grandparent, aunt, uncle, guardian, whoever. But we just want to give you that heads up that next week that will be coming, and we'll remind you next week. But, but you can see, even from the first verse that the people in Corinth, they're struggling through some of these issues in their relationships. And so we're going to get to see how the apostle Paul is going to speak into them. And truthfully, how it's going to speak into us. We're going to look at chapter seven, not just about the issue of physical intimacy and relationship. We're going to talk in, uh, in two weeks about divorce what the Bible says about divorce and what Paul's uh, emphasis is going to be about divorce. And, and, and as we work through this, we're going to talk about what it means to be a widow or a widower, what it means to be single, these, these different aspects and relationships in our lives and how Paul addresses them. So I hope next week you come ready because it's going to be, it's going to be heavy, but it's going to be helpful. Today, as we jump into this series and jumping back into 1 Corinthians chapter 7, Here's what I want to do. We're going to do things a little bit different as we kind of on-ramp our way back to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Before we dive into the brokenness in relationships. Today, I want to put the ball on the tee and remind you of God's desire in relationships. All right? Now, we're going to deal with the brokenness over the next four weeks. It's coming. All right? But today, I want to remind you of why this is so significant, and I want you to see God's design and God's desire for relationships. So in your 1 Corinthians chapter 7, put your little ribbon in there in chapter 7, all right? And I want you to flip all the way back to the book of Genesis, right? All the way back to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 1, we're going to the very, very beginning. You should need your table of contents for that one, all right? First, first chapter in the book of Genesis and here's what I love, is that for something like relationships, something that oftentimes can be said is a felt need in our life, we can not just go to God's word, but we can go to God's design, and even as you're going to see here, God's character to help us understand the gift and the design of relationships in our lives, all right? We're going to read Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through verse 28. Some of you, many of you, maybe most of you are familiar with these passages today, these verses that we'll read today, beginning in verse 26. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God made man in his own image. He created him. 
in the image of God. He created them male and female. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. Let's pray together. Father, as we dive in today, Lord, I pray that you would help us, help our hearts to be illuminated to the truth of who you are and the reality of who we are. And God, as we consider today what it means to understand your design for relationships, that we would see with clarity that relationships are a gift from you and that they are rooted in you and in your character. And so, Spirit of God, we invite you to have free reign in this place. Open our eyes to what is true. Guard our, high, our hearts, guard our minds from that which is untrue for the glory of your name. In Jesus' name, amen. I've told you, many of you have uh, seen this passage before, familiar with this passage as a part of the creation narrative that we see in Genesis 1 and Genesis chapter 2. But today I want us to consider this passage in this light, that the relationships that we have in this life are for a kingdom purpose. The relationships that we have in this life are for a kingdom purpose. The first thing I want us to consider as we look at God's design here of creation is to understand, number one, relationships are a part of God's design. They are a part of God's design. We see that clearly in verse 26 and 27, two ways that I'll point that out. Uh, number one, we see that first off and that he is going to create them male and female. As God is going to bring humanity into existence, he is going to do it as there being a difference. You may remember, but God creates Adam. He has looked at his creation. He has said everything is good, but then he looks at Adam and he realizes that there's something that's not good. And he said, it's not good that Adam should be alone. And so he creates, a word that I like to use is counterpartner, kind of a counterpart, but also a partner, a counterpartner in Eve to come alongside Adam and to be in relationship with one another. So we see from the very beginning that when God looked at humanity and saw him without relationship, he said, it's not good. And so no question when we look at this, we see that God's desire and his design is that man, woman, humanity would be in relationship with one another. Now, we know in the context of here that this context is going to happen in a marriage relationship. All right? We understand that. But we also know that there's all kinds of relationships in our lives. One of the things I want to make sure we don't miss today is to understand that it's from this passage, this serves as a foundation for us to understand that a biblical worldview is in stark contrast with the continued movement of the sexual revolution in our culture that says your gender is what you feel or what you think and could change day to day. And scripture is clear here that God from the beginning created you male and female. It is God's design assigned at birth. All right? So he says here that he is going to create them male and female. He is going to design them th that way. But I want you to notice here that it is not just in the fact that he is going to create us male and female for relationship with one another. But as I said earlier, that when we think about relationship, I want you to catch the depth of this today to know that it is rooted. Hear me. It is rooted in the character of who God is. Here's how I would say that. You notice in verse 26, it says, let, what's the next word? Us. Let us. Why is God going to say that here? Let us. It's because we believe this is a reference to the triune nature 
of God. What that means is that there is one God who exists in three persons, all right? Now, there's a lot of different illustrations I could try to use, but they're not going to uh, be sufficient for the reality of what that means. We understand that there is one God who exists in three persons, that, that God the Father is fully God, that Jesus uh, the Son is fully God, that the Holy Spirit is fully God. Yet God the Father is not Jesus or the Holy Spirit. Jesus is not God the Father or the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is not God the Father or Jesus the Son. You got it? I'm just grateful for the mystery of God. And so the reference here, when he says, let us, it's a reference to the triune nature, the multifaceted nature, the, the three persons of the Godhead. And we see throughout Scripture, as we, as we take a journey through the fullness of Scripture, we see times where this is reference. Colossians chapter 1, when it speaks to the this beautiful Christology of who Christ was. And it says that in him, speaking of the son, that in him all things were created. Say all. All. That in Jesus, the son, all things were created. And we see at times the spirit being reference of its role in creation. So when we look here, when God is creating all things, we see the reference and the acknowledgement that this is coming from a God who, listen to this, who exists in relationship in and of himself. God exists in relationship in and of himself. I've shared with you, with you before about Jesus and his time on earth as he was living out his public ministry. And he would say, listen, the things that I say... I say what the Father tells me to say. And the things that I do, I only do what the Father tells me to do. He goes on to talk about the helper that will come, the spirit that will come after him. And so we see even in Jesus' public ministry this reference to the relationship that exists in the Godhead. So I want you to understand today that this idea of humanity being relational beings, one, is God's design because this is how he laid it out as male and female and us having differences, but also because it tells us here, let us make man in our image. That means as God's creation, we carry with us attributes that reflect the divine attributes of God. Now, our attributes are not divine attributes, but they reflect the divine attributes of God. And part of us being in relationship is just that, is reflecting who God is in us. Second thing I want you to see about relationships from this passage is to understand that relationships should have a gospel purpose. Relationships should have a gospel purpose. Look with me in verse 28. It says, God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and every creature that crawls on the earth. And so within this relationship that we're seeing here in this marriage relationship where we know it's going to tell us, right, that, that a man shall leave his father and mother and he shall cleave to his wife and the two shall become one, right? And one flesh, that in the context of that relationship, what God had designed here from the beginning is that this relationship should have a purpose. And he, he lays out at the very beginning what that purpose is, to be, to be fruitful and multiply and to fill the earth. What's he saying there, kids? Have babies, right? 
have babies and fill the earth. That's why the Tower of Babel was such an offense to God because God had told creation to be, to, 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 to be fruitful and multiply and to fill the earth. And there his design was wanting to take on the power and the authority of the designer by saying, we're not going to do that. We're going to do our thing and we're going to build a tower to the heavens. We're going to gather together. We're not going to fill the earth. We're going to gather together and build a tower to the heavens to be like God. But God's purpose in this relationship as he's given them is to be fruitful and to multiply and to fill the earth. Now, in the New Testament, and our understandings as believers in Christ is that we still, we, we still feel that same purpose. That to be fruitful and to multiply and to fill the earth is to understand that, that because of sin, our relationship with God and our reflection of God has been affected. It's been marred, if you will. But when you come to faith in Christ, when you recognize the sin in your life and you recognize what Jesus has done in his death, burial, and resurrection, you repent from your sin and you turn towards faith in Christ, the Bible says the old man is gone. The character, the nature that was marred by sin and the new has come, meaning I am a new, better reflection of who God is because now I am in Christ. And that new nature, that new reflection, that new light bearer of the gospel is to be fruitful and to multiply and to fill the earth. And part of God's design is his glory would fill the earth as the waters cover the seas. That part of that is the gospel in us being multiplied and filling the earth. But notice what he says here. Not just to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, but then he says this. Subdue it. What a great word. Isn't that a great word? Subdue it. Have dominion over it. As we look, as God would, would lay out creation, we would see, go with me on this, all right, that God would not create everything as it should be in its final design. What do I mean by that? Well, God's going to tell them to till the ground. Work the ground, right? You're to grow things, right? You, you, you're, to, you're to bring forth that which is from that which was not. You got to work the ground. You got to put seed in. You got to water it, right? There's a, there's a work element that comes with that. Man, in our backyard right now, we're growing some sunflowers. You know why we're growing sunflowers? Because a four year old little girl wanted sunflowers. <laughs> I mean, we're seeing those things come up and they're getting bigger, but. But there was a time where, where they weren't. They were in the ground, but we're having to work it and water it and nurture them, right? And in the same way, I believe the purpose that God has given his creation is to do the same, and not just with sunflowers, but in culture and in our relationships and in every area of our life, there is that call to cultivate and to, and to subdue and to, to have purpose in them. So here's what that means. That means that every relationship in your life, if you are a Christ follower, every relationship in your life not only can have purpose, but should have purpose. Now I want to show you what that looks like, all right? I've got some friends that are going to come join me up here, and if they don't, it's going to get real awkward. But I talked to them beforehand, and they're going to come up here. And so can I see this microphone? All right. <clears throat> so I want to introduce you, some of you know, but... Uh, kind of the main person helping me out today is my friend named Randy Cottrell, all right? Randy's coming up. I've got several others. <clears throat> a 
feel like we should play the uh, Jeopardy music here or something. All right. Shelby, why don't you come stand right here for me? Can you do that? You stand right here. All right. And uh, yeah, Sharice, you can stay right there. Cooper, can you hang like right here? That'd be great. And then Clay, you can come right here. And uh, Randy, we're going to start at that end with your wife because we're smart. All right. All right. I'm going to let you hold this if that's okay. All right. Tell everybody your name. My name is Randy Cottrell. Randy Cottrell, tell us what you do for a living. Uh, I'm a teacher at West Monroe High School. All right. What do you teach? I teach a whole bunch of different sciences. There you go. All right. A couple science fans. Two science fans in the room. All right. Tell me, who is this wonderful lady standing next to you? This is the woman of my dreams, <laughs> the answer to my prayers. Um, this is my wife. Um, and by the way, the answer to my mother's prayers, I really didn't know how to pray for a wife, but um, as a mother, you know, um, you know how mothers are, are praying for their sons. And uh, I knew this woman before um, I ever met her. I, um, she's a Proverbs 31 woman. Um, any woman do noble things, but she surpasses them all. So this is my dear sweet wife. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I, I mean, I was just waiting for you to say, my wife. It's my wife. This is my wife. She also happens to be my wife. Thanks for making us all look bad, Randy. All right, so this is your wife. This is my wife. Obviously, faith plays a central role in your relationship. And as we think about this idea that gospel relationships have purpose, for time's sake, I'm going to answer for you, all right? Um, but in this relationship, right, Scripture calls us to love our wives as Christ loved the church. You have that opportunity to be her lead servant, to be a spiritual leader in the home, to pray for her, to serve her, to shepherd her, to come alongside her, so that in your life, by the way you're living your life, treating your wife, praying for your wife, you are helping her grow more and more into the likeness of Jesus, right? Amen. So there's clear gospel purpose in that relationship, Absolutely. right? Okay, come with me over here. Sharice, you just hang tight, all right? Tell me, who's this handsome dude right here? This handsome dude is my son, Cooper Cottrell. I can kind of tell, all right? You want me to say more? I mean, I was going to give you the opportunity. Um, this is my son. Um, the first time I ever saw him uh, was in a doctor's office, a little heart beating. Um, and from that moment, my heart has never beat the same. Um, he's headed off to college, just got back with this group, and uh, just thrilled about um, all of the things that he's learned and been sharing with us about that. Awesome. Young man. Awesome. Well, I did want to give you that opportunity because Cooper is a great young man and excited about what God has in his future. But when we think about the gospel purpose that you have in this relationship, I could ask you, I know you'd knock it out of the park, but, but God has brought him into your life, not just for you to raise him to be a good citizen, right? But he's given right. him to you to, to pour your life into, to point to the gospel, That's right. to pray for him, to serve him, to, to set an example for him, right? There is clear purpose in the relationship of a father and a son and what scripture points us to of the purpose of that, right? That's right. Awesome. Absolutely. Cooper, you've done great, buddy. Let's move on. All right? <laughs> I don't feel small very often, <laughs> but I feel really small. Tell us about your other son. Uh, I'm just kidding. That's not his son. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He almost is to me. Uh, this is Clay Parker, and I've just watched him grow up and just an incredible Christian young man and great father, uh, great husband, and great friend. Awesome. I'm going to give you the opportunity to answer this one. I know I wasn't going to tell you, but I'm not worried about you. Tell me about how this relationship has purpose in your life. How this has purpose. Uh, it's a lot like the iron sharpens iron relationship that the Bible talks about, just how um, Christian friends and Christian brothers um, just build you up 
and um, the fellowship with other Christians really um, just makes you stronger as a Christian. And so we take a lot of opportunities to get together to talk and um, just incredible, incredible Christian young man that really, uh, really benefits me in my walk with Christ. That's awesome. Friends now, but you were once his Sunday school teacher many moons ago. Isn't that awesome? I was. I love it. I love it. Let's keep moving. Awesome. Clay, you nailed it. Good job. All right. You're not quite as big as Clay. No. Uh, <laughs> Randy, who's this guy? Um, this, is, this is my boss, the principal at West Monroe High School, Shelby Ainsworth. Awesome. Incredible, incredible guy. Absolutely. Absolutely. He's doing pretty good so far, right? Real good. Hadn't embarrassed the school, hadn't embarrassed his family. He's doing great. Hey, tell us. Now, very different relationship than those three relationships, right? Very different. He's your boss. He's my boss. He's your boss. Tell me, and I think you can get this one too, how, how can, in the nature of your relationship with your boss, how can this have a gospel purpose? Well, God's Word calls us to submit to authority, and so your boss is obviously holds authority over you. Um, and so the gospel purpose, uh, the gospel purpose is actually to, for you to live out Christ in your relationship with people who have authority um, over you. And it's awesome when that person also is a brother in Christ, like Shelby, so that makes it easy to do, but that's not always going to be, it's not always going to be the circumstance for people that's right. who might have a boss that's not a Christian. That's right. We see in Scripture the call for us as believers how to submit to authority and follow the leadership of authority. Now, we're not going to follow authority into doing something that calls us to be, uh, to live outside of what Scripture's called us to, right. right? But even how you pray for him, the example you get by following him when he asks you, hey, Randy, can you get this done by this date? If you get it done by that date, you're encouraging your brother in Christ and you're setting a, a, a good example for your authority, right? That's and right. so this purpose of boss, and I'll say employee, can absolutely have gospel purpose to it. One more. Mr. Ainsworth, you did great. Come over here to this empty chair. Randy. Me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Me. Last one. Now, I'm not going to make you talk because this one will throw you for a loop. This chair represents the people in your life that at this moment right now do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That can be family members, that can be friends, that can be co-workers, right? We, we have relationships in our lives with people who don't have faith in Christ. How do these relationships have purpose? Again, I know you could knock it out of the park, but you're called to be a good friend. Not just a good friend, a godly friend. Not just so that you can build a relationship, kind of smoke and mirrors, because you're just trying to get them to accept Jesus and you don't really care about those friends. No, you're a great friend to them, and you love them as a person, whether one day they say yes to Jesus or they don't. But you know that in this relationship, God has you in this friendship for you to show them what life looks like when Jesus comes in is the main thing in your life. So can we give it up for Randy and for these volunteers up here? Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now, here's what I want you to consider this morning real quickly. For some of you, you, you have a person that stands right here where Cherie stood. Are you maximizing the purpose in that relationship? Some of you, you, you have the person who stood right here where Cooper did. Right? That you, you have a son or a daughter. Maybe even it's a grandson or granddaughter or it's a niece or nephew. Or are you taking advantage of the opportunity and the call that God has placed on our life to, to take relationships, not just something at face value, but to leverage them for a godly purpose. All of us in here, I would say, have at least one friend in our life. One purpose that we, one person that we can count on 
One person that scripture tells us that we should rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those that weep, that we bear one, another bur- one another's burden. And so we consider today that in those relationships, those friendships that God has given us, as Randy said, that we understand that iron does sharpen iron and we are to sharpen one another. For a lot of us in here, we do have that authority in our life. And man, it, it does make it easier when that person is walking in integrity you believe has your best interest in mind, cares more about you as a person than what you're producing, right? That does help. But in every relationship that we have, even with a boss who isn't walking with the Lord, we can still understand the gospel purpose we have to try to be a good employee that demonstrates the character of Christ that is willing, as scripture calls us, when we're asked to go one mile, we go two. Right? When someone is in need, we take off our cloak and give it to them, right? A, a servant-hearted nature, even to those in authority and how God can use that. And then finally, to that person. And I would even invite you to consider who that person is for you would be sitting in this chair today. That you could say, you know what? I know that I love that person. And I'm grateful for the time we get to have together, the memories we've been able to make together. But today, you've been reminded again that that friendship has gospel purpose. And are you maximizing it? Because we see from the very beginning in creation, he had given purpose to Adam and Eve to subdue the ground. And that purpose for us to maximize these relationships in our lives has not stopped. Last thing is this, real quick. Relationships take work, but they're worth it. They take work but they're worth it. If you remember the story of Adam and Eve, God had been very clear to them, hey, enjoy this garden, but do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The serpent comes to them and says, come on, why not? Eat of it. You'll be like God. And so we see that they do. They disobey God. And then it says that their eyes were open and they knew that they were naked. Some of you just started listening. Well, he said naked, right? (laughs) They felt shame in that moment. And it says that they heard God walking in the cool of the day in the garden and that Adam and Eve, they went and they hid in their shame. And God calls out to them, where are you? Now this is God. It's not like he didn't know where they were at. He knew, but it was calling their attention to the reality of what had changed in their relationship. And do you remember God comes to Adam and he says, Adam, what have you done? And do you remember what Adam said? It was her fault. In fact, he says this, God, the woman you gave me, that's pretty bold, isn't it? God, it's the woman you gave, I I didn't pick her out. You gave her to me, and she gave me the fruit, and I ate it. Ladies, does it go over well when your husband puts the blame on you? (laughs) It doesn't. And right there, as sin has just entered the world in their disobedience, at that moment, we see relational issues come, don't we? And so we understand relationships take work. They're not easy. I I, I would even argue today that some of the best relationships, specifically some of the best marriages, come from the couples that are the best of saying, I'm sorry. Let me say that again. I believe that some of the best relationships, specifically some of the best marriages, come from the relationships with the people who are best at saying, I'm sorry. Because they take work. And it's not always easy. 
And sometimes that's in the husband and wife relationship. Sometimes that's in the father-son or father-daughter or mother-son or mother-daughter relationship. Sometimes that's in the friend relationship. Sometimes that's in the, in, in the employee-employer relationship. And sometimes that's even in the relationship with your friends that don't know Christ. But let me tell you, they're worth it. And as we see how this continues to unfold, we see that God is going to come to them as they were there in their shame, as they were there in their nakedness. And it tells us that God himself would take skin, animal skin, and he would cover them. Some believe this is one of the first pictures for us of the gospel. That as Adam and Eve, as they stood there in their shame of their disobedience to God, feeling the guilt and the weight of their sin and how they felt they're standing there naked before God. That God, he didn't have to, but in his love for his creation, Adam and Eve, it says that he took this animal skin, which means there was some animal that had to be sacrificed. There was an animal who would lay its life down so that Adam and Eve's shame could be covered. Let me tell you today, relationships, they take work, but they're worth it. And there is no relationship that is worth it more than your relationship with the Lord. And so today, as we, I know today's been a little bit different. It's like, we're going first Corinthians. Oh, no, we're not. <laughs> we'll get there. But in the weeks to come, we're, we're going to look at some real brokenness. When, when, when Adam and Eve, when things don't go right at all, when it, brings, um, when it brings relationships to the point of thinking, we're just done, we're just giving up. How, how does the gospel enter into that? We're going to see. But today, as you consider the relationships in your life, one, I want you to remind you, God has designed you for relationships. Some of you right now, you're walking through difficult moments in your life, situations in your life, and, and in your mind at this moment, you have felt the answer for you has been to pull away from everyone and to pull away from everything and just try to do this on your own. And I want to tell you, that may seem like a good idea now, but it is a sinking ship because God's designed you for relationships. Today, I, I want to encourage you that you would consider the relationships in your life that God has designed us for him, that he's given purpose to them, and remind us, yes, they're going to take work, but they're absolutely worth it. And so two things. Maybe today there's a relationship in your life that you know it's not where it needs to be. And today, maybe your takeaway that the Spirit of God is saying to your heart is today, I need to get better at saying I'm sorry. There's a spouse or there's a child in your life or there's a friend in your life or maybe it's your boss or someone else that you know that that relationship has been fractured because of something you've done. And today, the Spirit of God is just saying, hey, it takes work. Sometimes that work is swallowing our pride and to demonstrate the heart of God and to say, I'm sorry. But secondly, and most importantly today, is for you to consider not the relationships that are on this platform, but the relationship with the one that we came to worship today. How's your relationship with the Lord right now? Is it where you want it to be? Here's the great news today. If it's not, there's no place God would rather you be today. And he abounds in steadfast love, and that hasn't changed from the same God we sang about to today. I want to invite you to bow your head to me today. And today, I just want to give you a moment. Maybe there's a relationship in your life that you know you need to be praying for today. There's a person in your life that 
Man, things are fractured. Maybe, maybe you're a child in here. Maybe you're an adult in here and your relationship with your mom or your dad is, has been fractured. And you've just been reminded today of God's design and his desire in our relationships and that they take work. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's someone that in the frustrations of that relationship, you know that you haven't been that light and that relationship that God's called you to be as a demonstration of the gospel. I want to invite you, if whoever that person is that maybe comes to mind, would you just take this moment and pray for them? Maybe you're here today and you look at your relationships and it just seems like your relationships, all your relationships are just full of chaos. And it could be that, that that's a reality because the most important relationship in your life, your relationship with the God that created you isn't where it needs to be. And right now in this moment, you would know the same God that was willing to cover the shame of Adam and Eve is the same God that's willing to come into our life and to cover the guilt and shame of our sin. And the Bible says that God has demonstrated his love for you and that even though you were a sinner, Jesus died for you. The day right now in this moment, you can put your faith and your trust in him to make that vertical relationship right. And when that vertical relationship is right, you'd be amazed how it affects your horizontal relationships. So Father, today, we're thankful from this reminder from the very beginning of your word, God, not just your power and your authority and your handiwork and creation, but God, even what we can glean as we look at how you've designed this, understand that, God, that you yourself in your nature are God in relationship and you have created us in your image. And in the relationships that are around us, God, you have given purpose to them. And so help us as Christ's followers to be people who understand that purpose and walk in that purpose, live in that purpose. And for those today, God, that are here, there's a broken relationship in their life. I pray, God, that you would have grace and mercy in that situation. I pray, God, that you would give each of us that are in that place the wisdom and the humility to know what it looks like for us to move forward from this place. And to be reminded, God, that you're with us every step of the way. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope, again, that you were uh, encouraged by what God had to say for you and for your life. I just want to extend an invitation for you today. Maybe today you realize that you need Jesus in your life. Maybe today you just need to take that next step in your spiritual walk, or maybe you've got a spiritual need, and I want you to know that we would love to come alongside you and serve you any way that we can. Feel free to reach out to us at firstwest.cc, or you can call the church, 318-322-5104, and we would love to help you in what God is doing in your life. Have a great day.